0: Welcome Wildcats to Weber State Weekly, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, a man who hopes Josh Ritter of Moscow, Idaho, would perform at his inauguration, Colby Peterson. On the pod today, we have a man who would love the sultry tones of the killers at his inauguration, Dustin Chapman. Best uh, best American British band there is, and really the last American great American rock band as well. Old words. A man uh, Next, we have a man who would be rocking to hashtag Purple Rain with Prince at his inauguration, AC. And we all know how we're spelling purple rain, right? And finally, a man who would break the mold and get Jim Gaffigan to perform at his inauguration—Sean Lewis.
1: Gaffigan and I, Gaffigan and I agree on so many things. It's scary, and and I'm coming in under the weather today. I'm only about sixty-eight uh, percent, but Gaffigan always gets me back up to right back up to one hundred.
0: All right, need a need a Gaffigan shot around here, I guess. So on today's show, we're going to be interviewing Big Sky Commissioner Tom Wistersol. We're going to be talking to the commissioner about the recent announcement that the University of Montana, Montana State, and Portland State would be opting out of the spring season in favor of a smaller non-conference schedule. And so uh, we're going to talk to the commissioner a little bit about that and see how they deal with it at the conference when uh, schools make those kinds of announcements. In addition to some questions about basketball scheduling, which I uh, I think Wildcat fans are going to find enlightening. Uh, Next, we're going to be recapping the games uh, that we saw this weekend with the men. uh, Yellowstone Christian College and Tarleton State both came to the Purple Palace for a couple of games. And so we're going to go over some of that, break it down, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like. And finally, we're going to be playing a game called Buy or Sell. I've put together a number of situations for our distinguished panel today. And so we're going to be asking them in brief whether they would buy or sell. So. But first, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. that's um, Any of those places are great places to get this content weekly. Uh, also, we're on social media. If you're on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, please uh, feel free to follow us, like our page. All of that good stuff. Twitter is one of the best places to interact with the Weber State weekly team, especially on game day. And finally, if you haven't, uh, please tell your friends if you have Wildcat fans in your family or in your circle of friends, and they'd be interested in hearing more about weekly Weber State content and everything going on with Weber State sports. Tell them about the show Uh, helps us find our way into the ears of more Wildcat fans and help us to grow the alumni destruction wherever they may be. All right, Wildcat fans, we have a special treat for you tonight. We're welcomed and joined by Big Sky Commissioner Tom Wistersill. We're going to talk a little bit about who he is. He's been in the job for two years, so we want to talk to him a little bit about his journey so far and how things have been going at the conference. And we want to talk a little bit about scheduling. Coronavirus is obviously making it very difficult for folks like the, the commissioner in college sports and athletics, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. So, Tom Wistersill, commissioner, thank you for coming on Weber State Weekly.
2: Uh, great to be here with you guys.
0: Yeah, we really appreciate it and uh like we noted uh, commissioner you've been in the job for two years now I just got a contract extension last month so congratulations on that
2: thank you yeah it's yep. been a great two years you know the big sky has been a, is a wonderful conference got a great reputation nationally um, you know and been very fortunate to be a part of, of what we're doing here and hopefully can uh, you know apply some some of my skills and talents through the years of being in college athletics around the country bring it out here and hopefully continue to push us in new directions and help to uh, make the conference stronger and, and uh, raise the awareness of what we're doing. We have some incredible student athletes and coaches here in the league, and uh, we need to have a good promotional tool out of the conference office to continually uh, talk about all the great things going on in the league. But uh, it's been a great two years and uh, very thankful. We've got a great group of presidents leading us that I report to, and, and they want to make things bigger and better. Uh, So uh, we're on this journey all together.
0: So, Commissioner, uh, you're no stranger to college athletics, got some experience back east. And so I thought maybe you give you a chance to introduce yourself to Wildcat fans who maybe weren't reading Brad Heinz article in the Standard Examiner when you did come to Ogden a couple of years ago. Tell us a little bit about you, your journey, uh, both, you know, as as a kid and, you know, leading up to becoming a, a professional in college athletics and finally landing in Ogden, Utah, and now in Farmington in the new conference offices.
2: Yeah, so I'm uh, very fortunate. I'm the son of two coaches. Both my dad and mom uh, were coaches. My dad coached football for over 30 years high school and collegiate level. Uh, My mom coached volleyball, track, golf, cross country, tennis, kind of whatever was uh, what happened to be the flavor of the day. But um, so I grew up in in sports. I knew I was going to be in sports and uh, and that was going to be my career path someday. Um, I played basketball at a small school in Minnesota, a small college there, and uh, so I was a collegiate athlete, a Division III school there, and, and then was a Division II commissioner, worked at and the Division I level at the University of Wisconsin and the University of Minnesota, uh, and then became the athletic director at the University of Akron in Akron, Ohio, I was there for six years, um, and then I've worked on the multimedia rights side as well at Learfield Sports in Dallas. Uh, where I was a vice president there until coming here to the Big Sky. So have a unique perspective of it. Like I said, I was a Division Three student athlete, a Division II commissioner, a Division I athletic director, and now a Division I commissioner. So I've kind of seen all sides of it, the good and the bad, and there's that at every level. Uh, but like I said, feel very blessed to be here as part of the Big Sky with lots of the things
0: we have going on. Well, and I'd say things have been going fairly well in your term as commissioner. Uh, I personally have enjoyed, Chappie's going to disagree with me here, but I personally have enjoyed the conference tournament in basketball, moving to Boise. Boise's a town that I really love, and having it in that centralized location, I think, has been a lot of fun thus far. Got cut short last year, of course, due to coronavirus, but as a move that I enjoy personally. So, Chappie, sorry, I'm on the commissioner's side on that one. (laughs) All but uh, commissioner, on we want wa- yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, scheduling. Like like we noted, uh, coronavirus has created some unique challenges this year with scheduling in college athletics, and so we wanted to start out by looking at football. We got news on Friday that the University of Montana and Montana State had opted out of the spring season that the Big Sky had originally put together. They're playing some. Uh, non-conference games from what I understand. I don't fully understand what that means yet, but it doesn't mean they'll be playing the full schedule. And so for you folks down at the conference office, what does that mean? Uh, how does that now look and how do you move the parts around to make the spring season work as we're uh, a little over four weeks away?
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's been crazy. You know, let's call it what it is. Um, you know, But, you know, the virus has been so unpredictable, right? I mean, we all had plans. I mean, I can remember last March when we canceled the tournament in Boise, you know, we, we were thinking, you know what, you know, by the time summer rolls around, everything will back to normal and uh, we'll be off and rolling. It won't affect the fall. And then pretty soon it affected the fall. Then we're like, you know what, we're, we're in a good place. It's going to get better. This will be good by basketball season. Now here we are in basketball season. And so, you know, I think the frustration has been, and this isn't just college athletics. This is our own life, business, our families, every everybody's been affected by this. So that there's been so many moving targets. Every time we've tried to guess something, it's been wrong. So, you know, as we, as a group, as FCS moved football uh, from the fall to the spring, we said, we just feel better that we can, you know, we'll have more information. We'll be able to test better. Hopefully there's a vaccine. You know, we made that decision back in August to move to the spring. It was like, Compared to where it was at, it it just didn't feel right. So that's why we moved all to the spring. Well, then we had to make the decision as a conference within our member institutions. Okay. We need to find out who wants to play, who's able to play, who who wants to make this happen. And so we had that opt out in October. Uh, Sacramento state, as you know, was opted out for, uh, for various reasons. And then, you know, now we hit, got into January and, you know, I think the, all along were that we were in a little going to be in a little different place that uh you know maybe it'd be a little safer that the virus wouldn't be as prominent as it is in our society and so then you have some schools having to look at it again and say or did we make the right decision you know what's this really look like now that it's staring us in the face and and uh, can we in a healthy way in a safe way get all of our student athletes ready to play football and so you know, we had we had some schools, three schools that decided here in January. You know, you know what? I don't think we can do that, and and so they've backed out. But we're pressing forward with nine schools, and we're excited about that. And we're building a schedule right now. Um, I've seen a few different versions, and and we're, we're aiming for sometime. I would bet in the next week to ten days, hopefully, to have that finalized and through our legislative process. Uh, but uh, but it obviously, it'll look different because some schools dropped out. And, uh, but like I said, I think we have some committed schools who want to play a spring schedule, want to play six games. Some of the schools are really focused on, can we get to the playoffs, maybe win a national title. Others are in kind of a building phase of their program where they're just seeing it as, since the same team can come back in the fall, nobody's exhausting eligibility this year, is let's play these games. Let's get this, uh, let's get this time together. And for the coaches to see the players in action in a real game can tell them a lot for what they have this fall. So uh, it's been an unpredictable, crazy process, as I said. Do I know if it's over? Uh, no, nobody could for sure say yes. It's too unpredictable with everything happening around the country and the virus. And when you're in eight states like we are, uh, you're gonna have lots of ups and downs with the virus. So. We ride the waves, we hope for better days ahead, and we'll see what happens.
0: Commissioner, like you noted, I, I did forget there that Portland State also opted out. So there were three schools, uh, no disrespect to the Vikings there. Chappy, you had a question for the commissioner.
3: Yeah, so commissioner, we when we had uh, John Casper from your office on in the fall, that was a lot of the conclusion that we came to as a panel was there's just so many varying states and opinions throughout the Big Sky Conference uh, that it, it absolutely throws a wrench in everything. But but honestly, having the Montana schools opt out was was a, was a surprise. I think to many. It, I, if there was going to be schools that opted out, I, I wouldn't have picked them. You know, even in the top half, <laughs> right? So, so I think a lot of fans are left just wondering. They cited player safety as a factor. Totally understandable. But was there anything specific there that they cited to you guys, or at least something that you can share with us um, about player safety that that? that led them to want to opt out?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the player safety piece is when you think about your fall program, um, if you're gonna play in the fall, you've had all summer to work out, you have those three weeks of training camp, you're outside, you're, you know, the weather's in a good place, roll into your first game, you know, physically you feel like a good place. Um, You know, and talking to the people of Montana, and Montana State, neither of them have indoor facilities in the, in the places that they could work out indoors, they're trying to play basketball and and other sports come this spring, you know, I mean, everything's just on top of each other. And so I think for their, from their standpoint, they were like, you know, with the amount of snow and cold they get up there, which is worse than it is here on the Wasatch front for us or in other places around our conference. uh, They just decided they didn't, didn't think they could plan on getting enough good quality days of training to prepare for that February 27th date, So I think as we've talked about it with them, when they talk about player safety, I think that's what they mean is those number of quality days that they could get in to prepare to play the first game.
4: So commissioner, I I'd like to know um, a little bit more about the, this upcoming spring season that we have in 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 our plans right now. So we currently have nine teams that are slated to play. I think that there are fear among many in in Big Sky fan bases that there are going to be more teams looking to opt out as we get a little bit closer to the spring season. And so I'd like to know, is there a specific minimum number of teams that the Big Sky has to have in order to play out the spring season?
2: Yeah, so the NCAA requires us to have six teams to get our automatic qualifier into the tournament. So, so we for sure have to have six to me in some ways, seven is kind of our magic number because then you can play the other six teams in your schedule. So, so that's, you know, I look at those two numbers as, as being the key numbers. I can't predict the future between now and February 27th. You know, if there's a huge, you hear about this new strain of the virus, if that comes and decimates the West, guess what? None of our teams are playing. And, uh, and there's just nothing we can do about controlling that, right? So so we just have to kind of day by day communicate, plan, make contingencies, you know, various things that we need to do to discuss and see where our teams are at. The California schools are another example, right? I mean, you know, they've been ultra conservative there about contact in the state of California. And so right now, the both California schools, schools feel pretty good about the fact they're going to be able to play. Um, but. They could have an outbreak in LA or the, or the Bay area, and that could shut down the whole state. We might not know that till February 20th, who knows. Uh, But those are the minimum numbers we need uh, to make it, to make it happen from a conference perspective. Uh, And all the ADs and presidents and coaches know that. Uh, But uh, you know, I sense a a pretty good commitment from, uh, from everybody entering into this with their eyes wide open and also with, you know, telling these student athletes, I think that, that, that when you think about it from a student athlete perspective, you know, pretend you're the AD at Weber State, right? You're Tim and you're telling the football team, hey, we're moving to the spring, but if you guys do everything you need to do between now and January, in February, you're going to kick off. So those guys go and work out and they're in the weight room and they're outdoors training all fall thinking about the spring, you know, unless medically or, you know, the government shuts you down, be really hard to stand in front of the football team and say, I just don't think you should play, you know, forget about those last five or six months you've been working your tail off. So that's why I think the commitment level's there. And now we just gotta hope that the virus cooperates.
3: I love it. I, and that's, whenever we've had folks from the conference on that is the overriding sentiment, I think that all of us feel is that th- there's there is a level of care there to the student athlete that is just phenomenal. That's You guys always seem to put that above everything else, which is is excellent. Um, last question that I have is, is, is regards to, in regards to football: Is have there been any any other conversations with any of the other conference commissioners around the FCS ranks? You know, specifically uh, the Missouri Valley folks and and the CAA folks. Are they are they expecting any other opt outs, or have there been any conversations there at all?
2: Yeah, I mean, I talked to Patty and Joey D at least a couple times a week. They're good friends of mine. I've known Patty for a long, long time. I didn't know Joey until. I became the commissioner, but you know, got a great relationship with both of them. Um, They both feel really solid in what they're doing. Uh, You know, both the Valley, I think has 10 10 schools that are playing. Um, Idaho State did drop out, but they've had a kind of a recommitment with the rest. Uh, The CAA split into two divisions, if I remember correctly, and they have like four schools playing three teams twice, something like that, and then a, a larger division. Um, so I sense a commitment, certainly from kind of the three, if we want to call them power conferences, um, I'll let you guys call it that. I've heard, I've heard us called that before. Uh, and uh, so I, I sense the commitment to, you know, let's do this for the student athletes in the best way we can across the country, give them that tournament experience that they deserve that they didn't get in the fall. And then let's make sure we do everything possible not to damage the fall of 21. And so can can we safely in, in a healthy way do this and then make sure that we're ready to go uh, in a full capacity for the fall.
1: Commissioner, I have a question for you in, in regards to that, and uh, that is uh, I was shocked when I learned that Montana and Montana State didn't have an indoor facility. Obviously, Weber's had one for for a couple of years now, um, and it's made a huge difference in in uh, what we've done. And obviously, since Jay Hill's been here, uh, Weber has made strides in in upgrading facilities. The new new football facility on the north end of Stewart Stadium is amazing. Uh, one of probably top in FCS, if not uh, mid mid range in some of the FBS schools as far as that facility goes. Right. So yes. um, so that leads me to my question. We know that there's definitely a range of budgets and 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 abilities from the schools in the big sky. What is the conference's um, role in bridging those gaps so that we're not leaving um, a northern Arizona or a, a northern Colorado behind on this, I don't want to call it an arms race, but in a facilities race uh, to get these types of things. Obviously, Montana has been successful without it, but you know, these are the kind of things that, that make, or make, or make, or make or break programs right now.
2: Yeah, no, great question. So kind of two thoughts. Number one is, you know, there's a, there's a commitment that every division one program has to make to, to be division one, right? I mean, they have to, they have to sponsor so many sports. They have to spend so much on scholarships. Um, you know, they need to, they need to obviously at least have enough facilities for their sports. Now, So their base commitment within our conference varies no different than it does in any conference I've ever been a part of. You know, when I was an AD in the MAC, that's probably the most narrow conference I've been a part of. The top and the bottom not far apart. You know, my almost uh, eight nine years in the Big Ten, there is massive gaps. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars between the tops and the bottoms there in the Big Ten. So that's not uncommon for a conference. So that's part one. Is there's the basic piece that has to exist for every conference. And everybody in the big sky certainly uh, belongs in that group. Then there is this commitment level to each other that what we're going to do is, is we're going to continually to try to get better. right? We're going to invest in things that help the conference to get better. That's why you see facility projects. It's a beautiful facility that you guys built there at Weber State in the North End zone. That's great. Montana State has a similar facility being built in their stadium right now. And uh, yeah, it'd be great if they had indoor facilities to practice and get ready. And I know those are in uh, in planning stages at those schools. Obviously, it takes a lot of money to get those things built. And so, you know, yeah, we don't want to leave anyone behind, but we also never want to hold the top back, right? You know, the the bottom, you want to continue to support and try to find ways where they can be successful, but you got to be careful, especially a conference like ours, which aspires to be great, is we want, never want to hold the top back. We want to continue to push us to be the best nationally that we can be. And that's not just in football. That's in every sport, is where can we find our niche? Like Northern Arizona with cross country, right? I mean, three of the last four national titles in men's cross country. I mean, that's an amazing stat. And so we want to continue to find ways to support them. And that's what the conference is about. It's about giving a little bit of yourself for the good of the whole. And uh, luckily we have... A great group of presidents and a great group of ADs that really buy into that. So we're able to make tough decisions, we're able to move ahead and not hurt people uh, in the process there.
1: And can can I ask just one more question about basketball scheduling? Um, And we know that this is a crazy year and everything's up in the air, but I think a lot of fans, especially especially Weber State fans, kind of blamed the conference office. Um, And I'm not trying to be attacking here, but but we were not being able to play with with Eastern Washington out and Idaho State out, uh, we we saw a series with Tarleton State last night and and uh, Yellowstone Community College or Christian College, whatever it was uh, the night before. Um, is there flexibility? I mean, is there some way that that some of these games may be able to be made up uh, with 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 an Idaho State or an Eastern Washington? Uh, with Weber state. Can we, or we, I saw the Idaho state built in a, they were supposed to get Sacramento this weekend. They, they delayed it a couple of days, you know, just trying to see if we can get some of those games uh, made up because as fans, I've got to say, we, I sure enjoy seeing the big sky teams a lot more than, than Yellowstone uh, Christian college.
2: Yeah, no, totally understand. So at the beginning of this, we started the scheduling and, and made the decisions back, you know, a month or so ago. And we said, we're not going to make up any games in the conference. And the reason for that decision was, if you think about teams on the road playing Thursday, Saturday, they're going to leave on Wednesday and and come back. We're going to try to get them back Saturday night. Most teams can, as you know, we're playing those Saturday games no later than noon local time. Most of the teams can get Saturday night. Not all of them can, but most can. So then you're looking at, if you're going to make up a series, you're going to have to play maybe back-to-back nights, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, and then turn around potentially on Wednesday, one of those teams is going to travel again. And so when you start thinking about the fact that in order to play, we need to test them three times a week in non consecutive days. So we're testing, you know, typically we're testing Sunday, Monday, I mean, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, you know, so we're testing these student athletes. So what we were trying to avoid is having them testing a lot on the road because we don't want to have a team quarantine you know, a 1,000 miles from their home for two weeks in a hotel in Sacramento, per se, you know? And so so we're, ba- in, we're balancing all of those things, you know, of can we, can we do this in a safe way? Or can we get enough tests done? Do we feel like we're not carrying the virus away? And so so that's how we entered. And so then what we're gonna do is we're gonna monitor it week by week and see how the games are going. Right now we're getting about 70% of our games in across the conference, which is about average for the nation. So, but we're going to keep tracking. And if we feel like, cause 10 is kind of the magic number for us. It's how we've developed seating for the conference tournament. You got to get in so that a, a nine, a nine and O team doesn't get seated in front of a, you know, 16 and one team. So, so we're going to keep watching that number of 10. Do we feel good about teams getting in 10 games? If it's, you know, three weeks from now and a bunch, there's been a ton more cancellations. I think we would revisit that and try to get more games in. Even if it was, if it was just one game, play on a Sunday or on a Monday or something, just to get it, just to get one game in. Um, I think we would look at that. But right now, at 70%, you know, we feel like we're doing okay. And we feel like everybody right now is going to get to that 10, uh, 10 win mark, or 10 game mark, excuse me. Uh, but we can see and address that later.
1: Thank you for that explanation. And I, you don't have to answer this, but uh, as one fan who's never missed a conference tournament since it went neutral site, I hope I get to see you in Boise.
2: Well, that's our plan. We plan on being in Boise. We hope that they'll allow us to have some limited fans there. Uh, and uh, it's been a great home for us. you it's too bad. We really got our knees cut out from under us last year. Cause we really had some great momentum going there for the end of the tournament, but I, I was there on Wednesday the and
1: and sad that I didn't. I had to come home on Thursday, so uh, oh, you yeah, know, sure. it was there. And and the move to Boise from Reno was fantastic. But I'm taking up too much time, and Colby's giving me the stink, guys. So
0: yeah. So uh, Commissioner, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Uh, it was a little longer than we had promised you, but we really appreciate the information you shared tonight, especially uh, on the basketball schedule and you know the the information about testing and how all of that works and how you actually schedule those things out sheds a little bit of light on where the conference is at and what the, the BADs the are under to make sure that guys are being taken care of. Yeah, so you know, uh, Commissioner Thomas, is, just, there's
2: so much of a balancing act there between, you know, we're no different than you guys. I I want, I want Weber to play every game they possibly can just like the rest of our schools. But, you know, there is a process we got to go through. We got to make sure that we're not transmitting the virus around the conference and, uh, and we hope for the best. So it was good, good being with you guys though. And, uh, I look forward to seeing you up in uh, Ogden soon at another game.
0: Appreciate you, Commissioner. All right. We want to thank Big Sky Commissioner Tom Wistersil for taking a little bit of time tonight to chat with us. Uh, we really appreciate him doing that. Uh, now we're going to make a transition to talk about uh, the games that we saw this week in the Pearl Palace. We were played host to Yellowstone Christian College and Charlton State for the men's basketball team and uh, got a couple of wins this weekend. So in spite of uh, a spate of recent cancellations uh, in big sky conference play, we were able to get a couple of games and break off the rust. So first question for the panel uh, of the two games, I want to get your overall thoughts on the two this weekend. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll
3: jump in first. Uh, it was a great way, not only to, to knock the rust off, but to build some confidence uh, it, it, watching the games over the weekend. It became very apparent that the team is starting to gel, and winning games does that. Winning games by a lot does that. Uh, Making comebacks, like they did against Tarleton State, uh, does all of that. It helps the team gel. And by the second half of the uh, second part of the second half of the Tarleton State game, you could really see that they were having fun. It feels like the gelling that we've all been waiting for for this team to have
0: happen is is nearing completion. Very, very true. I mean, uh, going into the half at the on Sunday against the Tarleton State game, down nine points, but uh, able to overcome that deficit. And like you said, saw saw some changes and uh, got came away with a W. A lot of really good highlights in that second half. Sean Lewis or AC, what about you? with Overall thoughts on this weekend's games?
1: I'm with Chappie. Great to get the rust out. Uh, great to see some competition. Great to see some Wildcat basketball on my TV and back in the D event center. Um, I was impressed with the team. Uh, felt like they shared the ball, shot good percentages, uh, especially in the second half on Sunday. Um, the assist to to uh, shots uh, made percentage was high on both games. Um, so I, I, not too much to nitpick in either one of those games. Started slow on Sunday. Uh, brought it back in the second half. Uh, I think that's a good showing, uh, being able to show that you can turn it on. Um, I don't want to get into that habit, um, but being able to to uh, enforce your will defensively. Now, it's a little bit different because Tarleton was coming on third straight day of games, right? So uh, with some travel and third straight day of games, obviously they were going to run out of gas in the second half. But the fact that we we basically uh, made that comeback and in, in, you know, we call it the third quarter, um and and by the by the end of that third quarter of the game um or the first 10 minutes of the second half uh we were in control and pulling away uh I, good showing by
0: the wildcats on both on both nights finally ac uh, what'd you think what'd you see this weekend with this men's basketball team shaking off the rust
4: that was a fun weekend that was a really fun weekend. The Yellowstone Christian College game. I know it's not a big name, but we saw a ton of highlights. Stuff that gets people out of their seats. It was a lot of fun stuff. And then you had the second half of, of the, the, the weekend set with Tarleton State. You know, out of the 80 minutes of basketball we saw, we probably saw about 28 minutes of rust. Right about three minutes in the Yellowstone Christian College game, and then about twenty-five or so in the Tarleton State game. But you know what? The rest of it was fantastic. It was beautiful basketball to watch, and much credit to Randy Ray not only for getting the games to to play. Right, we've got SEU coming up, and I don't want to be going three weeks, however long it was, without playing a game. So credit to Randy Ray for getting these games on the schedule. One, two for making the necessary adjustments to make sure that we came out as victors in both of these games, right? The the Tarleton State game, we made a big adjustment at halftime where we were putting a little bit more pressure up the court. We were in a 1-3-1 trapping zone, and that defense, it sparked our offense. Everything was clicking after that. Something I love about this team that we didn't see last year, is that these guys, the whole team knows how to share the ball. The whole team knows how to score the ball as well. So when you look at the box score, you're looking up and down. You got five, six guys who are scoring, you know, 10, 15 plus points. It's awesome to see everybody sharing the ball. And that is exactly how basketball is meant to be.
0: Yeah, definitely a, a lot of really good ball sharing across, especially guys. Guys are getting in a little trouble. Initially, that caused some problems for the Wildcats in the Tarleton State game because that's a very active team in the passing lanes. They're more than willing to commit to jump those passing lanes. And so in that first half, there were some some, maybe some lazy passes that got cleaned up in the second half, and we saw a lot. Uh, I want to say that one of the things that really impressed me over the weekend was the number of threes shot. The Wildcats were able to shoot, respectively. On Saturday night, the Wildcats shot 66% from three. But then Sunday night, they turned around and shot 58% from three. Just blazing numbers from behind the arc. I hope they continue.
3: Randy Ray's offenses are, are best served when, when, we're hitting, when we're able to hit the three. So if we can figure out how to keep doing that, things will keep chugging right along
0: just fine. Hey, Wildcat fans, if you're a small business owner looking to promote your business on Weber State Weekly, we've got some good news. We're looking for sponsors that care as much about what's going on up on campus as we do. We can plug your business on our show, in our new email newsletter, or even in our live instant reaction shows on social media. For more info, send us an email at WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com for pricing and more information. So now we are a number of games into the season, and I wanted to ask our panel what they thought in terms of growth. Uh, Is there an area that you see the team growing or gelling? I talked a little bit about sharing the ball in the previous segment, but uh, talk to me panel what what do you where do you think you see an area of the team that's just really growing and gelling in a way that gives you a lot of confidence as the conference schedule continues
1: i i think you hit that right on the head right the the assists and the three-point percentage um here's what we talked about this on the reaction show on sunday night it feels like the team is playing instinctually versus thinking about what they're going to do before they do it right um that's a thing about Randy Ray and his offense, it takes time to learn. It takes time to get into those rhythms. And I finally think that with the nine new- newcomers that we had come in this year, they're s- its starting to get it. It's starting to click. They're starting to see the results of that. And, uh, uh, the one, the one guy that I think has is, is, uh, maybe took the longest and maybe we've been a little bit uh, harsh on, uh, was SSJ or, or I, is it, it we're supposed to pronounce it, uh, Sigu, Sigu. Sigu. Thank you. Uh Sigu uh, turning that around and, and starting to click, and, and you're starting to see him get more confidence in his game. Uh, but the guys are just playing for one another. I think that's the thing that I like about this team right now is no no knock on past guys and, and past greats that, that played in the D event center. But the last couple of seasons, it felt like it was hero ball, one-on-one, I got mine, and this team is very much – we're going to play for each other. We're playing for the name on the front of the jersey rather than the name on the, on the back. That's just an observation on my point. It's anecdotal. I don't have anything to back it up. But that's the way it feels. There's a different feeling with this team that they're playing for one another. Pardon me for the greater
3: good. Well, and, and part of playing for one another is that they're, they're, there's just so many options. We've had, we've had different leading scorers most nights. I mean, our guy I.B., tends to be at the top, right? But there, there's so many different guys. I mean, Carlson has has come up. Zair Porter was lights out last night. You know, Sigu, I believe was the second leading scorer uh, for Tarleton State. I mean, it, it's, it's not only that it feels like they're, they're playing for one another, but they're playing together in a way that you, there's just so many weapons. It, th- that to me is the mark of a really good team. If, if, if they can stop big men our guard play is going to step up. If they can stop the guard play, the big man and the wings are going to step up. And to me, that's getting a preview of that this weekend. If that continues throughout the rest of the season, again, we're going to do all right.
0: AC, final thoughts
4: here on the two games that we saw this weekend? So I got two shout outs. I'll try to keep it short. My first goes to Corbin KJ Cunningham, who had a couple of highlight plays. The man's court vision distribution are flawless. Love watching him play. Second is, I mean, Colby, you ask about progress. I think that we've seen progress so fast, something that none of us expected out of a true freshman. Do it all. DJ Dylan Jones, my man. This guy, I'm telling you, he's coming for Conference Defensive Player of the Year. He's coming for Conference Freshman of the Year as well. When you look at his defensive numbers, elite. I mean, he's second in the conference in steals per game, and he's averaging 13 less minutes a game than first place. So, I mean, this kid, he's elite. We're watching a true superstar. Like, we're watching one of the guys who could go down as one of the all-time greats at Weber State if he sticks around.
0: Dylan Jones, we've seen tons of progress from him. I agree. DJ having you a know, great game not only just, uh, you know, being, having his hands in the passing lanes, but also being a guy who can assist a guy who can score at the basket. That highlight where KJ Cunningham passing the ball to him, Dylan Jones, passing it back for the, the putback dunk, just incredible stuff. You know, a truly mature player as a freshman. I uh, can't wait to see more. What do it all Dylan Jones has in store for us this season. So now uh, we're going to transition to our final segment. We're going to be playing a little game called buy and sell. I've put together a number of scenarios or ideas on uh, for the panel, and we're going to get their short thoughts on whether they should buy, whether they're buying or selling on this one thing. So, first one I have for you folks is do more big sky schools, more big sky schools are canceling? Are you buying or are you selling? Sean Lewis, let's start with you.
1: I'm selling. um, I think the number is where it's at. Anybody that was contemplating it, there's got to be catastrophic. I don't think that there's going to be anything catastrophic. So I'm selling the the league that you've got right now is the league you're going to have when play starts in four weeks.
3: All right.
0: Chappie, you buying or selling on that one? I am buying. There's
3: too many unknowns in some of the other states around the West that we have schools in. California specifically. um, Mm -hmm. Potentially even Washington. There's there's just too much there. Uh, so yeah, I, I see at least one more dropping out, but, it, but the decision has got to be made soon. I mean, it's,
0: we're not too far away from games. Hmm. AC, what are your thoughts buying or selling on more big sky schools opting out? I'm buying. I'm with Chappie on this one. I
4: think the California schools, both of them are sitting this one out. I think Polly and Davis are going to be out. And luckily, thankfully to what to, to our, our knowledge from the commissioner, we'll still have enough for a big sky season, but I think both the California schools are sitting this one out.
0: Yeah, that would put the the conference at seven, uh, which is the magic number that Commissioner Wistersell talked about. Uh, all right, uh, next one, uh, buy on, buy and sell. Weber State going to Frisco this year. You guys buying or selling? I'm buying, um, mostly because I want to
1: book my tickets. But two, the more teams that drop out, the easier that path is.
3: All right, Chappie? That's exactly it, buying. It, it, it our biggest hurdle in the conference just dropped out in Montana state and Montana, our second biggest hurdle. So yes, buying that also want to go to Dallas just to taste some
4: barbecue.
0: <laughs> AC, what about you? You buying or selling?
4: I'm buying and I'm not even buying just for the spring. I'm buying for the fall too. We're going back. So I'm, I mean, y'all are talking about the, I mean, all these teams dropping out. Guess what? If these teams are playing, I still think we're going. So I'm buying this. I'm buying all of it. I'm spending my, my last cent buying this stock. Absolutely.
0: Uh, really excited about this Weaver State offense. Can't wait to see them in action on February 27th. Um, so, yeah, I can get it. I mean, it's easy to buy right now. Very easy to buy.
3: We're, we're the Bitcoin. Uh, next we're, up. The, we're the Bitcoin of, uh, of, of FCS
0: <laughs> stock. Is that the way to put that? No. <laughs> Freaking Bitcoin. Oh, man. Terrible. All right. Uh, next up, Seagull uh, Sisoho Jawara is turning the corner. Uh, you guys buying or selling on that one?
1: I'm buying. Uh, we saw it this weekend. It, it feels like, I, I already mentioned it. it, feels like he's playing instinctually rather than thinking about it. He's only going to get better as the season
3: progresses. All right. I'm 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 buying. He's, he's, he's playing within the offense a lot more, which I think was a lot of his early struggles were, were due to that.
4: Definitely a buy at this point. Colby, you got to give me something I'm going to sell here. I'm going to be broke. I'm buying it. My man, Sigu, he's going to be, I'm telling you, this guy, he's turning the corner. He's shooting it better. He's seeing the court better. He's handling the ball better. He's looking good. My guy, Sigu, he's turning the corner. This is a turnaround for this group because we've we've been critical in the past as a a
1: whole. It's true.
0: true. Uh, You know, uh, know, there were a number of uh, tough games for Sigu at the beginning of the season, but uh, he's turning the corner, it seems, uh, hitting shots, being a good facilitator. Uh, Really great to see. Alright, uh, now this is one that I think that we might get get a little bit more mixed review on. We're going to... Wildcats are going to sweep SUU this weekend. So, are you buying or selling on that, fellas?
1: I'm selling. Um, they're going to split the series. We're, we're going to split. Um, I'm not sure well, if we're, we're going to win on the road and they're going to win up here. I'm not sure. We're splitting. SUU has has rocked the conference. They've been way better uh, than than we thought they were going to be. Um, and uh, I'd I think we're going to split. We'll go, we'll go 50-50 on this one.
3: I'm buying. They are they are going to sweep this. Uh, one, because we're just going to kick SU out of the conference in style. Uh, but two, they, they, their big game, to prove themselves, quote-unquote, was, was against Eastern Washington uh, last weekend. That was their big series, their big game. We have the opportunity. This is our big series. In a season where we haven't had a ton of marquee big games, this is it. Our guys are going to come ready to play on thursday
4: okay chabby's buying ac what about you i'm selling i'm selling (laughs) i gotta get some money back bro i gotta get my money back all right so here's my logic though i'm kind of with sean so i think we're losing in the d and i think we're winning in cedar city and here's my thing so thursday gonna be in ogden and I think it's going to be a little bit of a rude awakening for our guys because we've had, you know, we we probably could have slept walked through the last two games. We took a lot of time off and now we're going to get a whole bunch of talent that's going to come up dogged. And I think they're going to, as he used, they're playing with a lot of confidence. I think they're going to come here and beat us. But then I think we're going to wake up at halftime of this series. I think we're going to go down there and I think we're going to beat Cedar City and we're going to show the big sky that we're here. We're, we want to be competitive this season. We want to win that big sky trophy this season. So I think we split it and I think that the road teams win both games.
0: Okay. Uh, I think that's probably a pretty fair assessment. Uh, final, final one for you guys, just really quickly. Uh, IB, staying for another season. You buying or selling? I'm buying.
1: I love the guy. I okay. love what he's doing on the on the court. Uh, this year's a free season for everybody. There's no eligibility lost. Um, I think he can test the draft waters and see. You know they they have those where you don't officially apply for the draft, but you get to see you get you got a, a, an idea of where you're where you're going to end up. Um, I, I think that uh, he wants to get better, and one more year of seasoning will will do that for him. Um, so I buy him, uh, seeing him next year in purple.
4: Okay,
0: Jappy in brief. Uh, I be staying for another season. You buy or sell him?
3: Absolutely buying. Uh, there have been three draft picks in the last twenty years in this conference. NBA draft picks. Weber State owns two of them. Um, if anybody plans to go to the pros, this this is the this is the place to go.
4: I am selling this one. I'm selling. I would love Whoa. to buy it. I would love to buy it. I want to buy it so bad because I love my guy be but I just can't. I can't do it. I think that this guy has had a very detailed plan of what he wants to do. And I think that everything culminated in this season, his senior season, I get the eligibility thing, but I mean, this isn't something that was foreseen. Right. And so I think that everything is culminating in this season. I don't see him coming back. I want him to, and I'd be, if you're listening, please AC's begging you, please come back.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, Producer Dan is telling me actually one more. Uh, we got one more really quickly. You buy or selling on the black jerseys. Buying or selling? I'm old.
1: I'm selling. It's for oh. the kids. They love them. I'm selling. They don't look as good as the purple. Wear the school colors. Purple all the way.
0: Okay. Jappy, you buying or selling on the
3: black jerseys? It, I'm literally wearing a black Weaver State jersey, of course, from, from the Dame era. But absolutely a buy. Okay? Right. The, the kids love the new school jerseys and something that's cutting edge it's something that weber state definitely needs to to continue to do if for nothing else not for the old school fans but
0: for the kids we have they they love that stuff yeah and allegedly uh they may be available sometime soon to the public so ac what about you you buying or selling on those black jerseys i ran a poll on twitter Mm -hmm. black jerseys or purple jerseys very simple
4: yep 56% 56%, very close poll. 56% said black. 44% said purple. And I'm siding with a 56%. I'm with the majority. I like the black jerseys. I thought that they were clean. I thought that they looked good. And it was something different, right? Can you imagine have we had like a blackout for that game? Like that would have looked so nice. Would have looked so good. So I love the black jerseys. I say we bring them back.
1: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna counter you on this one. We can't have a blackout until we actually get a purple out for once. We got to keep people from wearing their Y and their U and their
0: Aggie crap to the
1: Cut purple his palace.
0: There <laughs> comes Mike. Cut his Suspension. Mike. For Sean. <laughs> nah, he makes a point, fellas. Uh, I, there's nothing I hate worse than seeing some some freaking clown wearing BYU gear inside the purple palace. Like, bro, you want to go to the Marriott Center? You're free to you're free to drive an hour and a half south, man. This is Ogden. So uh, with that, we're going to go to upcoming games and events. Uh, We've got a busy week coming up this week. Uh, We have a number of sports getting going. Um, Thursday, January 21st, uh, like we mentioned, SUU will be coming to town for men's basketball. That game will be at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time in the Purple Palace. It will be on Pluto TV and 103 and 1 The Wave. And as is tradition with the men in Ogden, that means that the women will be traveling down to southern Utah to Cedar City to take on the the T-Birds. That game will be at 6.30 on Pluto TV, so you can Choose which one you'll watch there. Then on Friday, like we mentioned last week in our interview with Coach Jeremiah Larson, volleyball will begin. Uh, Eastern Washington will make the trip to the Swenson Gym, 6 p.m. in Mountain Standard Time in the Swenson Gym on Pluto TV. You will have the opportunity to see our ladies get their first crack at a Big Sky opponent since since last, what, since 2019? 407 days. It's been a long time since we've seen the ladies end. According to coach Jeremiah Larson, these ladies are ready to play. So looking forward to it. Then on Saturday, January 23rd, uh, we have the second of our series. With that, the women will be coming back to Ogden to play the Southern Utah T-Birds. That game will be at noon in the Purple Palace on Pluto TV. And the men will be making the trip down to Cedar City, also at noon on Pluto TV and 103 on the Wave. And finally, uh, the second of our series against Eastern Washington for women's volleyball. Uh, We'll be playing Eastern Washington again at 4 p.m. in the Swenson Gym. That will also be on Pluto TV. So plenty of good action this week and more. Uh, In addition, uh, I I didn't put this in the schedule, but there will be some uh, track and field stuff. they will be at the BYU Invitational down there. There will be some tennis getting started. So a lot of things getting going. Check the Weber Weber State Wildcats app if you haven't already. Download that thing. The schedule is in there. You can find out what's going on on a given day and be apprised of how to watch it. So with that, we're going to wrap up the show. If you have any ideas, comments, questions, feel free to email us at weberstateweekly at gmail.com. We're also on social media, like we mentioned at the top of the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is the best place to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game day. Finally, we've got a blog, uh, weberstateweekly.com, a number of good articles. I think that we've got a huge number of articles coming uh, up this week. Isn't that right? Editor of the blog.
4: Well, I'm telling you, I lost track of how many articles we got in the pipeline right now. We got a lot of stuff coming up.
0: That's right. Uh, AC's got a lot of good stuff coming up this week. So pay attention to our social media feed and also just check back on that website at weberstateweekly.com and check the blog for a a number of good articles coming up about recruiting and some other things. So we want to wrap up the show. Thank our distinguished panel for taking the time tonight to chat with us along with uh, our guest, Big Sky Commissioner Tom Wistersol. And we'll wrap it all up by saying Weaver State, Weaver State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. Weaver State Weekly is a Deep State Media production. It's produced by Colby Peterson. It's directed and edited by Dan Martinez.